0: This episode of The Outside Podcast is brought to you by Travel Texas, which recently partnered with Outside to send Olivia Christine to Dallas on a wellness getaway.
1: So when Outside told me that I was invited to take a surprise trip to Dallas, I was so excited.
0: A wellness getaway is basically the process of finding your perfect balance between energizing activity and meaningful rest.
1: Maybe that's going for a walk. Maybe that's going for a a hike, a run, maybe that's a luxurious hotel that you just completely self pamper and go to a spa.
0: With easy access to trails, good food, and great weather, Dallas is a perfect place for people with an active lifestyle. But it's also a place where you can slow down and feel your best.
1: So if you wanna get active, if you wanna get outdoors, while pairing that with Good food, good scenery, that's the way to do it.
0: Visit traveltexas.com slash own to get the trip to Texas that really matters. Yours. From
2: Outside Magazine, this is the Outside Podcast. So my happiest moment... On the best ski trip I've taken in many years is not what you might think. It wasn't an epic powder day. Well, wait. Actually, it was an epic powder day. But this moment didn't happen in the snow. It was after that, when I was back in the house that my family had rented. I was still in my long underwear, and I'd just gotten a fire going. And one of my kids handed me a piece of peppermint bark. It was amazing. This is Michael Roberts, host of The Outside Podcast. Happy New Year, everybody. We're kicking off 2023 with an episode that investigates the powerful, complex, and often delicious relationship between food and sport. This is something we're going to be doing more of in the months ahead, as Outside Magazine and our sister titles like Ski, Backpacker, Climbing, and Yoga Journal pursue stories that help us fuel up for our favorite activities. We start today with a piece by producer Patty O'Connell that is very near and dear to his heart and belly, which, in his case, is basically his heart.
3: All right, ski season. Let's go skiing. Alex,
4: meeting
3: us up top. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, hey! Ah, yes, finally. The greatest time of year has arrived. Winter.
5: Yeah. I hope you have fun. I think we will. Thank you.
3: This is my wife Carly and I loading the gondola on the opening day of ski season at our home mountain, a little place called Aspen. Unfortunately, I was a little rusty, not with pole plants or hippie wiggle turns, but With what is truly the most important part of skiing. Did you bring any snacks? No. All I have is gum and a granola bar from last season that I found in my pants today. You see, I ski because I am hungry. Skiing for friends? Let's go. And I am hungry because I ski. It's truly a beautiful cycle. And no one knows this quite like my wife, Carly. How are you hungry? I
4: got you a latte and
3: a a, a pretzel. Oh, you're awesome.
4: you are out of brats.
3: They don't have any brats? That's okay. In addition to buying me tasty, wintry vittles, Carly and I have a bit of an unofficial snackage system. Currently, in our car, there are, like, hidden granola bars. True or false? True. And why is that?
4: You just never know.
3: How can you tell that I am, like, hungry? Or hangry?
4: It's not, not obvious. You basically (laughs) shut down. Like, stop talking. You also look really distressed. Your whole persona changes. (laughs)
3: Like, I go from, like, happy and talkative to sad and quiet?
4: Yeah, and it happens in, like, Sixty seconds.
3: <laughs> I mean, it's like I'm- an
4: immediate cliff drop. Generally, I pack a lot of snacks for you, like <laughs> cheese and meats, <laughs> Barbara's jalapeno cheddar, Cheetos, chicken tenders, sandwiches. I can't have French fries without fry sauce. Definitely a bag, fresh bag of a hot crackpot, probably French onion dip. You just yeah. never know. Yeah. Just pack extra. Food is love. <laughs>
3: But I am not the only skier who eats like an unsupervised kindergartner. Even super duper rad pro skiers have a long time love affair with snacking on the slopes.
6: When I was a kid, I think half the reason to go skiing was to get cookies at Wildflower Bakery in Palisades. Like they're internationally renowned for their Cookies.
3: This is Cody Townsend, who has been skiing professionally for two decades.
6: So I worked there for a little bit when I was kind of ski bombing, trying to like make my way as a professional skier. That's where I was work, and part of the reason was so I could get free food. Um, I wouldn't say I was in my healthiest stage of my life. <laughs> I think, honestly, I developed my gluten allergy that I have now had for about twelve years, and since being diagnosed as celiac, mm. from then because. <laughs> I literally (laughs) ate pizza bagels and cookies for like an entire winter.
3: Cody is currently attempting to climb and ski 50 of North America's most iconic and most challenging ski descents. Some of these adventures take weeks to accomplish. And while he's no longer powering up with pizza bagels, you'll be surprised to learn what keeps him going on his hardest efforts.
6: Never in my life would I consider eating two packs of Haribo gummy bears in one sitting. I would never do that. Totally. But I can tell you I've done that a lot When I'm in the backcountry, because Haribo gummy bears are (laughs) effing amazing out there. Like I will literally put a package in my pocket and play a game with myself of like every hundred steps up this boot pack, I get to pop one and I do another hundred steps (laughs) and I get to pop one and I do another hundred steps, I get to pop one. And it's like this kind of incentive to keep going because every time I go up, I get some more gummies.
3: A big reason Cody loves crushing candy while he's in the backcountry is because of how strict he is with his diet at home.
6: Outside of the mountains, I am very nutritionally focused. Don't go so as deep to like count calories and whatnot. My thing is eating whole foods. Fruits, nuts, meats, vegetables, and keeping it very focused on those kind of very nutritionally dense products. At home, I don't eat any processed sugar. I don't even really drink when I'm at home. And those two things alone of cutting out sugar and cutting out alcohol have changed the way I completely feel. At this point in my life of going through many phases of eating nothing but garbage, you just feel so much better. You have so much more energy. And then when you're out there and you're suffering and you're, uh, you're going on a huge adventure and it's hard and it's scary... that'll really help you
3: another way to put this eating the right stuff in the mountains will prevent the worst case nutritional scenario the dreaded bonk this can happen whether you're on a backcountry expedition or skiing laps at the resort can you define what bonking is
7: yeah so essentially it's where your body empties its glycogen stores And then you have no or too little amount of carbohydrate coming in. You just hit this wall where you're not having an efficient source of energy production. So you can keep going. But it's using energy from your fat stores. And then you also have muscle protein breakdown too. So your legs can start feeling a lot more sore. And so your body starts to kind of like just be more... Sad.
3: <laughs> this is my friend, Kylie Van Horn. She's a registered dietitian and owner of Fly Nutrition, an endurance athlete coaching and consulting program based in Carbondale, Colorado. Kylie plans the training and fueling strategies for elite professional athletes and everyday mountain adventurers. She's also an insanely talented runner, biker, skier, everything herself. Suffice to say, when it comes to what we put into our pie holes, she knows what she's talking about. Especially when it comes to what not to eat.
7: I had a guy that was having all these stomach issues and he's like... Oh, yeah, like I bring sushi with me on my uh, adventures and I'm like, wow, that sounds disgusting. (laughs)
3: Well, I have got uh, like a list of random treats Uh and I want you to tell me like thumbs up or thumbs down, Good or bad. Jar of peanut butter with my hand stuck in it. That's good. Pocket hot dog. Bad. Smashed two day old cold pizza.
7: Oh, that's yeah, definitely. That's good. Awesome news
3: handful of m ms
7: also very good beef jerky i'm gonna say good
3: dried mango
7: also very good trail mix good
3: a photo of kevin bacon from the movie footloose
7: are we talking fueling here (laughs) yes perfect yeah
3: fun size candy bars left over from halloween
7: oh that's a definite yes
3: homemade kombucha that's bad hard boiled egg
7: no bad
3: because it (laughs) smells or it's gross or what all the things
7: all of the above Who wants their ski tour to be ruined by a freaking hard-boiled egg, like rotten egg smell?
3: From your professional opinion, I should be eating more pastries while skiing. Definitely. I'm so happy right now. Thank you. (laughs) It's a well-known fact that a major reason outdoor athletes love their sports is the excuse to eat guilt-free junk food. But Kylie strongly suggests that skiers put more thought into our ski snacks. During a skiing day on resort, how many calories are we burning?
7: I would say, on average, between 700 and 1,000 calories an hour.
3: That's a lot, right?
7: Yeah, it is. I would say, so there's so many nuances, you know, like body frame size, intensity that you're going, if there's more powder versus less powder, like if you are... In deeper powder, you're gonna burn more energy overall. Commonly, with winter sports, a lot of people don't put intentionality into their fueling at all. You can get yourself into trouble, especially if you're a backcountry skier and you're having to mentally make decisions about a line you're gonna ski or whether this is a good idea, etc. If you're not fueling yourself properly, you are putting yourself in a little bit higher risk of danger. So point being like plan out your nutrition like you would like what gear you're taking to some people that might sound a little bit silly, but mentally we know that having fuel on board is going to help us like maintain that focus and give us the ability to perform better. Reframing this idea around nutrition as being an afterthought and making it actually part of your routine and making it. Fun like hey, I get to have more snacks on the uh, on the lift or in the backcountry. I think is really important too. The nutrition piece plays more of a role than I think people give it credit for.
3: While I was sad that Kylie would not agree that eating a deep dish pizza stuffed inside of a chocolate cake would make me ski like an Olympian. I understand that a good and healthy snack and meal plan is going to help me last longer and perform better in the mountains. I also know that my navel is most likely directly attached to my heart. I mean, that combination of skiing and great meals does something magical for us. And nobody knows that better than chef Heidi Schaefer from Blanket Glacier Chalet. One of the greatest ski lodges in the universe.
1: People are generally happy, and that's like, honestly, like, fuels my tank more than anything. Just like people coming home and being stoked. Like I could serve mac and cheese and people would be like so fired up. (laughs) I love all that. Food is memories for people.
3: Yes. Yes, it is. More on that coming up after the break. When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. If anyone knows the emotional link between food and skiing, it's Heidi Schaefer.
1: Skiing's like one of my biggest passions, and then cooking. Like I cook for a for living and work, but it's still the number one thing that brings me the most joy. So like right now I'm baking sourdough and I'm like, it's my second day off, so it's uh, it still fires me off.
3: Since nineteen eighty-six, Heidi's family has been running Blanket Glacier Chalet a remote backcountry ski operation and lodge deep in the Monashie Mountains in British Columbia.
1: In the early days they would do like Telmark ski camps where they would cook and my dad would guide and back then it was like very kind of wholesome farm cooking and be like mom would always be cooking a turkey with like all the fixings and like a big bowl of like that oatmeal that like the classic ski bum would kind of have. And then it just kind of slowly started evolving.
3: When Heidi's brother Marty took the helm of the family ski operation a handful of years ago, he asked Heidi to bring her culinary talents to their lodge guests. She did, and today she says that slinging meals to skiers in the backcountry gives her a very clear sense of how food can affect skiers.
1: When I'm like cooking in the kitchen all day, I'll maybe get out for like a lap or two with them and I get to like be a part of their experience. I'm seeing them, like, eat that sandwich or eat that cookie that I prepared, being like, oh, man, like, this is, like, making their day. Like, this person just had, like, the best run of their life. Like, they're about to bonk. I get to fuel their body for the next run. Then I get to, like, do the run with them, go back, and then, you know, make some, like, ramen or sweet apre that they're going to be, like, stoked about. And then... Knowing that they get to do that all again the next day, just like, it's so sweet. Yeah, there's nothing better. It's like this little little magic world I get to be a part of with them.
3: Blanket truly is magical. I skied there last March with a group of buddies. Over four days, we skinned 40 miles and skied 20,000 vertical feet, and that's just a small portion of Blanket's 18,000 acres of jaw-dropping terrain, which, oh by the way, boasts 720 inches of annual snowfall. It was one of the greatest ski adventures of my life, not least of which was because of the insanely delicious food Heidi made for us. Hot Out of the oven, cinnamon rolls and breakfast burritos, giant homemade cookies and bars, gorp, fruit leather, pepperoni sticks, charcuterie served on boards big enough to surf on, opre ramen and soups, pasta and roasts, tuna steaks and steak steaks, and the greatest and biggest tray of nachos I have ever seen. And I've seen me a lot of nachos.
1: When you're spring skiing, like, there's literally nothing better than nachos. All you want is, like, a cheesy chip, like, layered to perfection. I
3: have dreams about the nachos. And because it's a cabin with an open floor plan, Heidi prepares all these delicious meals with the skiers nearby. And according to her... That adds a comforting and inviting feeling to the entire experience.
1: People want to gather in the kitchen. Like, the kitchen is just, like, notorious for that. So and especially with Blanket, like, yeah. it's literally very open. So, like, you're cooking, people are in the kitchen, and it's, people are comfortable. Like, it feels like home. And I think that's one thing that we really always kind of try to do at Blanket is, like, when people show up, like, we want them to feel like they're family.
3: What's the connection between, like, super delicious food And skiing.
1: If you just had the most epic ski day, like you come back, you're cheersing your friends with beer, and like you just had like this backcountry like poke bowl or whatever, you're like, what on earth? Like, I already had the best day of my life, but then I'm having like this poke bowl in like the middle of nowhere. Like, this day could not get any better. So it's like, yeah, food as an experience to kind of like highlight it all. Agreed. People obviously come there to ski, but as my brother says, like, The one thing you can control is the food. Like, if the snow sucks, at least the the food can be great.
3: (laughs) That's right. There was one more person I had to speak to if I was really going to understand the skier love affair with food. A true expert on the sports culture, one who understands that athletic performance is just one small part of the picture, especially if hot dogs are in the mix.
5: My name is Sierra Schaefer, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Ski Magazine, um, and I live in Salt Lake City. I'm really passionate about skiing, obviously. I'm extra passionate about apres. (laughs) I like to have skied. (laughs) You know, like skiing is great, but having skied, excellent.
3: As you might expect from a ski media veteran like Sierra, she has a long and beloved history with the sport. In her case, it was bestowed upon her by her parents during a childhood in Estes Park, Colorado. Sierra's folks first put her on skis the winter she turned two. But it is not the snowy turns she remembers most.
5: This is funny, but I have a lot of food memories, like being asleep but getting carried to the car in our pajamas at, you know, some ungodly hour and then like waking up as usually as we'd come through the Eisenhower Tunnel on I-70. And, you know, like then you're kind of in the mountains and you and we'd like get dressed in the car and eat our Cheerios and, and go skiing as a family for the day we would bring in a cooler and like stash it on top of the lockers so we didn't have to carry it around all day and then come back and eat lunch. And my dad would always put a banana in with the other food and the banana smell gets on everything. And then everything tastes like a banana. And this is like a running joke in our family, but we would call it ski food. Anything that tasted like a banana, we'd be like, ah, ski food. We would get starbursts or lifesavers from my dad on the chairlift. I have these memories of like putting out your little gloved hand and dad putting the lifesaver in it or straight to the mouth, you know, with the Starburst. He would like take his gloves off. It's like 20 degrees, it's windy, you know, and he's peeling Starburst for us, like the ultimate dad move. And he'd hand one to me, one to my brother, one to my mom. He had it in this purple and black fanny pack. We'd always like check the fanny pack to make sure like, it's got the lifesavers, okay, let's go skiing. And same with like, they'd bring their own like powdered hot chocolate, and right. we'd go and get the hot water, you know, the free hot water to put the, totally. and then they started charging 25 cents for the cups. Like when we started kind of getting older and like skiing a little bit on our own, we'd get a little ziplock that would have like a couple Starbursts or lifesavers in it, a pack of hot chocolate and a quarter. <laughs>
3: Do you still do that for yourself today when you go skiing? Yeah.
5: I do still bring my own, like, instant coffee or cocoa. Yes, I do still do that.
3: This makes my heart feel so good.
5: (laughs) You know, it's kind of making me feel like I want to go hug my parents.
3: (laughs) Those sweet snacks did more than keep Sierra going on long days. They also taught her that an integral part of skiing is being thrifty, This, you see, is how ski bums are made. Because a true skier will do whatever they can to ski, including skidding into free meals, like making nachos using the complimentary condiments at resort restaurants, or mixing up tomato soup using ketchup packets and hot water. There's something about the, like, ski bum cachet of like the frugal gourmet why is that so celebrated
5: there's something that totally like tickles the ego i think about like having to like hack it having to make it yeah and the reality is skiing is expensive and so whatever you can do to like kind of skirt the system i feel like it kind of celebrates this like yes i'm doing this mainstream very like homogenous very exclusive sport but i'm doing it my way yeah you know and i'm doing it like the edgy way and i'm like making it work. Because there is a lot of ski culture that is about being on the fringe, that is about bucking the norms and bucking traditional culture and, you know, saying, F at it all, It's for, I'm skiing, you know.
3: <laughs> Sierra has some strong memories of embracing the rebel, frugal side of ski food herself as a young adult, a standout experience for her was a trip to Utah, which solidified her desire to relocate there to be closer to world-class powder skiing. For 10 days, a blizzard pounded the Wasatch Mountains. Though work and responsibilities called her elsewhere, she stayed to ski.
5: I just remember going to the store and I bought like a loaf of bread. Cause I was like, I totally blew my budget basically. Cause I had stayed for so long. And so I went and like got a loaf of bread, a jar of peanut butter and a thing of jelly. And I just sat in my car, and I realized I didn't have a knife. So I just, with my bare hands, was like making PB and J's to put in my jacket. Sitting in the parking lot at Alta, it's dumping. I felt part of it. Like I'm so fired up to be like feeling like a, a skier, you know? And I'm I'm so grungy. I'm making these like barbaric sandwiches, and it just felt. I felt like I was in the mix the reality is like being scrappy is like how people get to be skiers for you know either a season of life or for their whole life or to be able to take their kids to do it or that kind of thing like I just bought this $200 lift ticket so you're damn right we're getting PB&J in our pockets.
3: (laughs) As Sierra sees it the quest to ski and the need to fuel ourselves to do it does more than make us scrappy. It actually brings us together and much more powerfully and strangely, than you might expect.
5: Food is a shared cultural experience, too. Like, mealtime is that. And I think there's a little bit of that. Like, I had a guy give me a bite of a hot dog that he got out of his pocket on the lift (laughs) last year. I don't know where it came from, and he was like, do you want some of this? It was a spring day, but it was still dumping snow. We were on the lift at Snowbird. And it was like, we just had a nice meal together. Thank you. You know, someone invites you to dinner. What else can I put in my pocket? Like, how weird can I make this and fun and silly? Skiers are freaks. Skiers are weird. And I say embrace it. We're rabid sickos out there just trying to get get to the next run, you know?
2: This episode was produced by Patty O'Connell and edited by me, Michael Roberts. Music by Robbie Carver. If you want more stories and advice on how to fuel up for your favorite outdoor sports, become an Outside Plus member. You'll have unlimited access to food-focused content from experts at Outside, Ski, Clean Eating, Backpacker, Climbing, and our other sites. Learn more about all the benefits of membership and join us now at OutsideOnline.com slash Are
3: you... Happy that I have a mustache because most of my snackage ends up like living kind of in the mustache. So when you smooch me, you get like kind of like secondhand snackage.
4: Sure, but like in the winter, it's all frozen. <laughs> it's like, like icicle, sweat, snow, boogers,
3: <laughs>
4: ranch barbecue.
3: Your favorite snacks all in my frozen mustache.
4: Would we say that?
3: You can talk
0: like this is just us talking,
3: but
5: the internet's listening.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god.